welcome to another episode of Tenacity with Sonia C, the podcast where innovation meets expertise. I'm your host, Sonia, and today I'm joined by Nick, the founder of BookThinkers. Today, Nick will help us explore the untapped power of reading with intention and how to unlock decades of wisdom, catalyze growth, and inspire actions beyond just words. Prepare to be inspired by stories of personal growth, the art of reading with intention, and practical strategies for applying the lessons we learn from the pages we explore. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Sonia, I'm doing really well. Thank you for the opportunity. Can I ask you the first question today? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Surprise. You just reversed well, tables on me. <laughs> yes. As you know, I am a big fan of reading. And I'd love to hear what's the best book that you've read in the last couple of years? Uh, the Alchemist by oh, Paul Coelho. Yeah, so good. I love the lesson in that book, like the universe is conspiring to assist you. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've read it a couple of times. I'm not going to lie, because the first time I read it, I was like in a different place in my life. And then I read it again a couple of years later and I was like, oh, this is so good. So that's that is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, I've probably gone through that book maybe three or four times as well. So I'm a big fan. <laughs> um, as I was preparing for this uh, episode, I became more intrigued about uh, a question you brought up, which was where where would you be today if you had successfully implemented every book that you read? And I love to read and I read so many books. And when I sort of saw that on your profile, I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. And that's a good point because I feel like if I was to answer that question, I don't know if I've applied anything I've read in my books, maybe like 20%. Um, and I love to read. So my first question is, do you believe reading and implementing personal development and business books is the most uh, underutilized tool for improving our lives? And why do you believe that is? Yes, I do believe that. And I believe that is because we're all taught how to read at a young age. I mean, at least everybody watching or listening to this podcast. And for some reason, after high school or maybe college, if we decide to go, we stop reading books. I realized at some point that the books behind me, right? I've got a thousand of them. <laughs> they condense decades of somebody else's lived experience, mm. most valuable life lessons, their goals, their aspirations, and the results, right? Into days of reading. So the world's best in every category of life, in health, fitness, nutrition, and personal finance, and business, and sales, in mental health, mm -hmm. philosophy, psychology, wellness. They've all written books. They've documented their greatest life experiences. And we can get access to them for $20 in a few hours of our time. And then we choose to scroll all day on social media instead, or to mindlessly sit there and watch Netflix for hours a day. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I was a victim of this for a long time too, but today I do think, you know, why aren't we using these books to their fullest extent? And I'm certainly not there either, right? Like I still scroll on my phone. I still watch Netflix. I still goof around and have fun and go out and whatever, but it does get you to think a little bit like, oh, maybe I'm capable of doing more. So what got you into this? Like, I mean, I, I looked at your profile, so interesting, but the first thing I thought about, like, how did you develop this? How did you get into it? Can you walk me through it? Yeah, of course. Well, what might surprise your listeners or your viewers today is that I was not much of a reader growing up. I was more of the athlete stereotype, 
not really much of the academic. I focused on sports. I was captain of the wrestling team. I played football and like, that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And you couldn't pay me to read a book when <laughs> I was younger. Uh, and that behavior continued with me for most of my college experience as well. Like I was in the gym a lot more than I was in the classroom, mm -hmm. uh, the dining halls, just like hanging out. But I was going into my senior year of college and I took an internship at a local software company. And my boss at the time, Kyle, pretty quickly, he recognized some unfulfilled potential. Uh, I was like a cocky 20-year-old, know-it-all type of guy, like you couldn't tell me what to do. And he just gently suggested over time podcasts, actually. That's where I started. So I was commuting an hour each way, five days a week, so 10 hours a week in the car. And he said something that really stuck with me, which was something like listening to the same song for the 300th time, it's not going to get you closer to where you want to be in life. Like there are actual skills that you could learn from podcasting. So why not give those a shot? So I started listening to all types of business and personal development style podcasts where a host like you would interview somebody and they would talk about what they had done to become successful. And over time, I, I kept hearing the same names, the same book titles. And so many of these successful people had either written books themselves or they were giving at least some credit for their success to the books that they were reading. So that's how I got into it. I just had this desire to do more, to be more, to live up to my potential. And at some point I realized if I was choosing not to read these books, then I was also choosing not to live up to that potential. And so I was too competitive for that, I think. <laughs> okay. So can you share a pivotal moment when you realized that reading alone wasn't enough and that implementation was key to personal growth? Yes, absolutely. Well, the first time I really started to put language around implementation, um, I was working for that same software company, but now I'm a college graduate. I'm like a year or two out and I'm devouring these books, but I hadn't really started my agency yet. And I was sitting at a bar in Chicago with Kyle. And we were on a business trip. Same guy that recommended podcasts to me. And we were talking about my love for books because they were like all over the office. And it's all I could talk about. And what was interesting about the software that we were selling was that when we sold our software package to a business, they would go through a period of implementation. They would spend anywhere from a few weeks to a few months going through the process of learning how to use this software in their business. And if they chose not to do the homework and go to the practice sessions and go through the courses and stuff, they would fail. Mm -hmm. But if they chose to go through everything and they were diligent, they followed up and they asked good questions, they would succeed. The software is very valuable, right? People are spending tens and tens of thousands of dollars on it. And I started to do the same thing with my books. And Kyle was the first person to really point it out. He's like, dude, number one, most people your age, they're not reading. If they are reading, most of them aren't taking notes. If they are taking notes, most of them do nothing with the notes. Like they're not actually trying things out. But I was inspired by this guy, Tim Ferriss, author of a ton of books, including one of my favorites, The 4-Hour Workweek. He hosts a podcast called The Tim Ferriss Show. And Tim was like a human guinea pig. It was like every time he read or learned something, he would try it out. He would set experiments and he would track everything, all the data. And so I just started to mirror that mm. behavior to the best that I could. Um, and Kyle was really the first person to say like, hey, this is abnormal. Like you're, you're doing something a little bit different than most people don't pay attention to. 
So can you give me an example of a book that you read and you applied that to it, like some real world experience, like uh, examples? Yes. Yeah. Right around that same time, I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And one of the things that Tim promises in that book is that he'll help, he'll help you escape your nine to five. And so I'm working a nine to five, right? I'm in an office space. It has a cubicle. I'm on the phones when I'm not traveling around the States. And so I, I decided to read that book. And one of the things that he sort of helps you do is he helps you take a step toward location independence. And so using some of the things that I learned from Tim, I approached my bosses and I said, hey, can you let me work from home one day a week? And I'm getting kind of distracted in the workplace. I think I'd be more productive back at my house. And mm-hmm. he, you know, my boss is like, yeah, sure. And then you start to collect some data about how you're actually more productive in a solo environment. And then it's a, hey, I'm going on vacation, but instead of taking time off, I'd like to work. Is it okay if I work? you know, but from a different location. Yeah, sure. Try it out. Try it out. And I just, you slowly build this momentum into a location independent position. So a couple of months later, I'm fully location independent. I'm a digital nomad. I'm working from other states and ultimately other countries, which created a lot of space and freedom to focus on building my own business while I'm still employed at this other company. And so, yeah, the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss teaches you all sorts of tips and tricks and things to become location independent and then get more control over your time. And that book was so pivotal for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, So what are some of the common challenges people face when trying to implement lessons from books and how do you suggest they overcome these obstacles? Yeah, there are so many issues (laughs) with the process because we're not we're not taught how to do this, right? I think it's one of my my main issues with the US public education system as it exists today for most people. Um, most people don't have an intention right. for each book they read, right? They're reading aimlessly. They're not measuring any, any type of output from the book. Uh, I, you mentioned you're guilty of this. I was guilty of this for a very, very long time and, and sometimes I still am. But you read a book, you get inspired, you hope it's going to change your life, and then nothing happens. So to solve this problem, I decided to start using the SMART goal framework for the books I'm reading. And this is something I don't hear people talking about. So SMART is an acronym. It stands for specific, measurable, which is really important, attainable, which is really important. Attainable means it's possible for you to achieve the goal. It's not unrealistic. R stands for relevant, meaning you're emotionally connected to the material. Like it actually has meaning in your life. It's going to help you overcome a problem or build a skill set. And then T stands for time bound, which means you want to give yourself a deadline to take action on the information that you've learned. And so using that framework, I started to set smart goals, what I call an intention for each book that I read. So if I'm reading a book like the four hour work week these days, I don't just read it and hope that it's going to change my life. Mm-hmm. But I say, hmm, I've got this problem in my life of location dependence. I'm working a nine to five cubicle job and I'd like to become location independent. Let's build a goal around that, something mm-hmm. that meets all those five qualities. So I would say something like find and implement at least two strategies to become location independent by the end of December. That is specific. I know what my goal is, right? It's measurable. Did you implement at least two strategies? 
that's attainable. I didn't say become location independent. I just said implement a couple of strategies. It's relevant because I don't want to be in the office anymore. And it's time bound. I said by the end of December. So what I'll do with that SMART goal, that intention, is I will write it, like physically write it on the inside cover of each book that I read. So that every time I read another chapter, I reread the goal. I remind myself of why I'm here so that I can help my brain filter for those two things to implement by the end of the month. And I, that's one of the issues that people have with implementation is they're not setting actionable goals. They're not looking to measure anything. They're just looking to read the books, you know? Right, right, right. Because it's just, it's a cool book or it's popular and everyone else is reading it. I'm guilty. Yeah. Me too. Me too. <laughs> you know, but this helps with that a little bit. So I always, I always have this like thing in my head where I'm like, oh, like I want to, I, should I read it or should I listen to the book? Is there a best way? Is like, I don't know. Can you, can you, since you're so into this, like, can you help yeah. us give, give us some insights into that? Yeah. I, feel, I always feel like I don't get all of the information when I'm listening versus reading. Yeah, well, you might hate me for this one, but that's true. You don't. So 80% of the inputs to our brain, 80% are visual. 80. That means by default, the rest of your senses only make up 20. So I'm not sure what auditory is, but it's small, right? Compared to visual. So if you read a physical paper book, you are four plus times more likely to be able to retain and organize the information just naturally. Now, on top of that, reading a physical paper book is a mono task, right? You're not multitasking, you're focused on one thing at a time. But when you're listening, not only are you at a disadvantage as far as the ability for that information to cement itself in your brain, but you're also multitasking because nobody just sits there peacefully in a meditation stance and <laughs> listens to a book, right? You're driving, you're doing chores, you're at the gym, you're working. And so, yes, listening to a book in that kind of chaotic, multitask, auditory only experience, you put yourself at a disadvantage if your goal is to truly locate the information in the book that's going to solve your problem or build your skill set and then implement it effectively. So those are my thoughts. Not everybody likes it when I talk I about agree. this subject, but <laughs> I, I agree with you. I mean, if it was like a science fiction book, right? Yeah. I would listen to it. it. Yeah, but I have had uh, situations where I've read, I've listened to a book, but I've purchased it, but I'm just like, oh, I don't have time. So driving to work, I listen to it and I finish it like that. And I feel so proud of myself, but I'm like, wait a minute. I, I remember she spoke about this, but I don't, and then I have to go back to the book to reference it because I know there's something in there that I thought it was interesting, but I can't even remember it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this. I listen to a ton of books every year, but I choose to listen to books that I'm not going to right? They're not solving a direct problem. They're more like satisfying curiosity. Like I love to listen to biographies and autobiographies because those books play like a movie. You know, you're learning more about an iconic person or personality that you're interested in. Um, and that maybe you'll retain a few things from the book, but like, you're not looking to implement steps or something. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that if you're looking to use a book to solve a problem, it's important to read the book. And here's a fun hack too. One way to stay engaged with a physical paper book is to listen to the audio at the same time that you read it. Oh, okay. Because yeah, reading slowly 
we're not using our brain's full capacity. And so our mind starts to wander. And then we end up rereading the same page seven times because we're like thinking about something else. But if you're listening to a book and you're reading it at the same time and you're listening a little bit faster, like 1.25, 1.5 speed, it really keeps you in the book and you don't have the, the capacity to think about anything else. I love that. That's such a good strategy. Because I feel like it also it will also help me like learn how to pronounce certain words that I have no idea how to do. Yes, it definitely does do that. I love that. That's actually really good. I'm going to start doing that. It's good advice. Yeah, okay. try it out. <laughs> so in um, Rise of the Reader, uh, you discuss strategies for mastering reading habits. Can you share a few key strategies that our listeners can uh, start applying today? Yes. Well, I'll, I'll pick on you a little bit. One of the sure. things you mentioned is like, I don't have time to read. So I listen. And I hear that from people all the time. But this, if, if you're listening to this podcast today and you're like, oh, I identify with that, like I'm the same way. I love to ask people this question first. If I paid you $10,000 to read a physical paper book by the end of the month, do you, <laughs> do you think you could do it? And everybody's like, yes, of course yeah. I can. Right. Like I could read five. <laughs> so it's not a question of whether or not we have time to read. It's a question of whether or not we value the reading enough to prioritize it over Netflix or social media or, or like whatever else we have going on in our busy lives. And so I like to say, this is, a, this is a strategy that people can use. Replace 15 minutes of your morning scrolling on social media and just the first 15 minutes of your TV, your Netflix or HBO, whatever you watch in the evening with reading a physical paper book, just 15 minutes twice a day. It won't kill you. It still leaves space for plenty of scrolling and plenty of Netflix or whatever, but it gets you in that habit. Mm. So instead of trying to find time, replace a low impact activity with something that's more meaningful. There's never been a scenario where an Instagram reel from three years ago, I still think about today, right? Or like a Netflix show that I watched a few years ago, it changed my life dramatically. But that does happen with books like The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And so free up a little bit of space. And here's the math that like blows people's minds. So in 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening, that's 30 minutes a day. If you're just starting out, like you're brand new to reading and, and you're pretty slow, maybe that's 20 pages. Mm. So 20 pages in 30 minutes, you do that five days a week, that's hundred pages a week. Most of these books, The Alchemist, they're 200 pages or less. Yeah. So you can read a book every two weeks by just replacing 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening of social media and Netflix and stuff, a book every two weeks is 26 books a year. That's 26 areas of your life that you can improve just by reading a little bit. You know, So that's one of the strategies that I teach people in the book. And then there's all sorts of ways to implement that more effectively and grow it and stuff. But that's where I would recommend everybody starts. Cool. Okay, so how do you measure success of implementing learning from a book? Is there a process or a set of criteria you recommend? Well, I definitely recommend starting with that SMART goal, right? Because measurement is key and the M in SMART stands for measure. So every time I set a goal for the book, it is measurable. I know whether or not I achieved my goal with each book. For example, um, you know, did you find and implement at least two ways to conspire with the universe, right? Or, mm -hmm. you know, escape your nine to five or desk job and become location independent. And, you know, from there, I, I'll kind of spare the audience because I could go on and on and on. But 
in my book, Rise of the Reader, I have two things that I think are really important for implementing books. One is I have an activity tracker. And before everybody like rolls their eyes, discipline equals freedom. If you have eight hours of work and you're disciplined and you can do it in six hours, you just freed up time to spend on whatever you want, right? If you're undisciplined and you have eight hours worth of work and it takes you 10 hours, you just lost time. There's a difference of four hours in that example. So having an activity tracker that measures the things you're going to implement from the books, you plug them into the tracker, you measure your activity, you follow up on it, creates a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, the more I focus on these boring type things like personal development books, the more exciting my life gets. It's kind of ironic. You don't think about it this way, but it truly does work that way. And so the activity tracker, I have a free template and everything that people can use, but it's a really interesting and it actually becomes kind of fun. It's a gamifying personal development way to improve your life. The second thing that I teach in the book is how to build an accountability group. So we're all familiar with that term. You are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Mm. And sometimes when we get in this world of like personal development, okay, I'm going to improve my health. I'm going to make some more money, whatever it is. You get judged. Like not everybody's into that. That's so, true. Yeah. And so like, I, I kind of teach a few different things. Like number one, how do you get people interested in personal development. So I talk a little bit about that. If you have nobody in your circle that wants to show up and talk about these subjects with you, I also talk about some fun and creative ways to find people like that, that you will get along with and that maybe can start to replace some of the people in your five, right? Because you don't want to be held down subconsciously by, you know, and your energy vampires, just like sucking your energy away, <laughs> telling you these things are stupid. Like I had plenty of that when I got into the industry, but you know, there's so, there are so many people that like have a positive mindset and care about this stuff and they are out there. Okay. I think I know the answer to this next question. Cause you've brought this book up a lot, but is the four hour work with your favorite book? <laughs> yeah. It's so tough. Cause I've read now like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. I think the four hour work week is up there. You know, it's like a top. Yeah top one or two books. The other book that really changed things for me was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. When I read that book, I realized money's not evil. Money is a skill set and we're all forced yeah. to play the game and it's not bad. It's you, you, There's just rules. And if you learn the rules, you can make more of it. And, and then as a result, you can help people. You can have more fun. You can have stability. You can remove financial anxiety. And so I really love that book too. So when does your book come out? Just launched. Just yep. launched. And where can people get it? It is available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, you know, a bunch of different online retailers. It's Rise of the Reader, Strategies for Mastering Your Reading Habits and Applying What You Learn by me, Nick Hutchison. And um, just type Rise of the Reader into Amazon and you'll be able to get it. Awesome. So I I, I read through your, your, your stuff and in your book, um, you talk about the power of intention when it comes to reading. And I know we've sort of talked about it uh, quite a bit, but I wanted you, and I know this is one of the teachings that you do in the book. So I was wondering if you could sort of give us uh, an overview of a teaching for that, just so people know what to expect in your teachings in the book. Yeah, I mean, I started to think about intention for the first time when I would go to these personal development style events and you show up at these events, maybe there's like 
five speakers, 10 speakers in a day. They're all talking about different things. They're all exciting. They're all enthusiastic. And everybody's just taking notes about, you know, every single thing that they say. And I noticed, like, even with myself, those notebooks just go back on the shelf. And people don't use anything, right? You could go to 100 Tony Robbins conferences in a row. But if you don't use anything that you've learned, if you don't have an intention for why you're there, you're just there to be motivated. Like that's all that's going to happen. You'll be motivated. And then, like I said, that notebook goes back on the shelf. It doesn't get used. And so I started to realize the same thing happens with these books. And so my version of intention is that smart goal thing that we walked through before. And I just think it's so important to read with intention. You need to know why you're reading a book. You need to know why you're going to a conference. Our brains have this function called a reticular activating system, the RAS. And it's a filter. Mm -hmm. It's that example where you go yellow car and then you walk outside, you see a yellow car and you're like, did I just manifest that? Yeah, Probably not. It was probably already there, always going to be there, but like you just filtered for it. You're, you're looking for yellow cars now. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're driving, look for a yellow car. You're probably going to see one. <laughs> it was always there. It really was. It's just that now you're filtering for it. Yeah. The same thing happens with these books. When you have an intention, like I'm going to find and implement at least two ways to become location independent by the end of December. And you tell that to the book, you'll filter for it. It will naturally highlight itself. Like it's going to jump off the page. So that's what I mean by intention. Don't just read the book, read with intention. Reading intention free mm. is toxic because you get all excited and then you don't do anything. And so it just becomes this cycle of like, I'm motivated, but now I'm worse off. Now I got to read another book and then you know, I don't do anything with it, you know? Yeah. And I, I think I'm, we're running out of time, but I just wanted to sort of use a, a different example. I know you talked about like wanting to to work remote. And so that book sort of applied, but to, to talk about a, a different topic. So like um, I went through breast cancer a couple of years ago. And um, I struggled a lot afterwards with stuff in my body. And I remember, I feel like this is setting an attention. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I want you to tell our listeners if this is sort of the right way to go about it. So I wanted to do something about my body and how I was feeling. Um, but I knew that I was cured, but I was still feeling all this pain and I didn't understand it. So I got this book called The Body Stores Trauma. And I read it and it made me understand where possibly the pain could come from and why it was there. And because I was going through that, reading the book helped me apply what I needed to do to start healing those parts of my body, right? So that's what you're talking about, correct? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so you, you, you're going through something, you get a book that you're... Just just going through something and realizing you want to get a book to read about it is setting an intention. It is. Yeah. I mean, life. I mean, that's a tough circumstance that you went through. Right. right. Um, and you realized like life doesn't have to be this hard anymore. I've overcome it. There must be a solution. Somebody else already figured out that solution. So rather than going through trial and error and and all of this like reflection and meditation on your like experimenting with different ways to get over it. You found somebody that already solved the problem for you. You read their book, right? It condensed decades of their research and understanding on the subject and all of their trial and error. So you shortcutted the process. You read the book, you implemented what you learned, 
you know, you solved part of that problem. And so that's exactly what I'm talking about. I didn't think of it that way until you said it right now, because you're right. You've mentioned this a couple of times where it's like all of this knowledge, it's, it's out there. People have wrote it down. So why are we going through it all over again when we have access to ways of dealing with life or mental health or healing and all of that stuff, right? Exactly. I yeah, I love that. So before we wrap up, um, anything that you want to share with our audience? I'll just share that there is a book to solve every problem. There have been roughly 100 billion with a B, people that have lived on this planet. Millions of them have done amazing things and they've had books written about them or they've written books, right? They learned something that is of value and they wrote it down and it's accessible. So as humans, if we choose not to deal with the problem, like this math always blows my mind. If you deal with a problem on a daily basis, every day, right? Some insecurity, some pain, some trauma, some problem could be related to anything. Over the next 30 years, if left unchecked, 30 times 365, you'll deal with it almost 11,000 more times. Wow. So you could deal with it every day, or you could read a book about somebody else who solved it and gives you the solution. And then you implement the solution and you overcome the problem. It's like you took the initiative to overcome the body issues, the pain that you were dealing with, and you're better off as a result, right? And it's like, we could do that with our finances. We could do that with every area of our health. We could do that with our mental health. We could do that with everything. That's what's so cool. That's why I love these books so much. Yeah, you're so right. I love it. Well, Nick, I mean, I feel like we could talk about this forever, but it was so nice to have you on the show. I learned a lot. I mean, I love books, but now I feel like I'm going to I'm going to apply it a whole different way to to reading them. And I'm already thinking about like a collection that I have at home that I've been saying going to get to it, but I haven't. So I'm excited to read some of those books. Thank you so much for, for coming on. I'm going to share uh, all of your linked information so people can uh, access, uh, have access to, to you, contact you. I'll also put a link to your Amazon uh, book on uh, when we go live. But if anyone uh, is interested, get his book, listen to his podcast. Do you Are you on any other podcasts by any chance? Um, yes. Yep. Featured on some other shows. And then I have my own podcast. It's called book thinkers, life-changing books, where each episode is a deep dive with an author on their book. So people can check that out if they want to. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in today. It was an enlightening conversation with Nick who reminded us of the profound impact books can have on our lives. As we close this chapter, I encourage you to pick up a book that resonates with your current journey and read it with the intention of not just learning, but transforming. Remember, every page holds a lesson, which is a step towards a better version of ourselves. Until next time, keep, keep turning those pages and keep seeking the wisdom they hold. Remember, the future belongs to those who embrace change and innovation with tenacity. Keep striving, keep innovating, and most importantly, Stay tenacious in your pursuits. Thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to bringing you more inspiring conversations in our upcoming episodes. This is Sonia signing off, but as always, remember to chase your dreams with tenacity.